Hey everyone and welcome to the Living with Power Hope podcast. I'm your host, Lena Abujamra, and I am so glad you're here. Many of you know me as the Doctor of Hope because every couple of weeks on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we talk about hope, how we lose it, how we get it back, and how to keep it for good. So today, I'm really excited about our conversation. We're going to talk about hope when you've been hurt by the church. And uh, my guest is someone you're going to love, and not just because he's a nut like me. He's actually become a dear friend of mine, and I now call him my pastor. He's been around the block a bit and has been given a few punches in the face over the course of his church life. Uh, Some of you will recognize his voice from the morning show at Moody Radio here in Chicago. Here is the one and only Carl Clausen. Okay, Lena, boy, what a joy to be with you. Oh, it is so good to talk to you. I feel like we're always bumping across paths at church, and it's good to just have a nice long conversation here. Yeah, this is going to be tremendous. And uh, to those of you that are listening in, I believe in this young lady. She's walking it out, man. She is the real deal. And I know you know that, but uh, let's roll. Enough with my bragging about yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And if you hear birds, by the way, I, I listen to the little birds in the background. It's not on my end. That's all you, Carl. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm on a rooftop here. And uh, hey, you, you take the quiet places. This one has some of God's creations in the background kind of... Uh, bringing some great background music to us here. That's awesome. Well, in Chicago, we can count the warm days. And so you sit on that rooftop and enjoy it. But we are going to have a sort of a warm conversation here, maybe a little bit hot in some points. But I want to talk about being hurt by the church, because I know that you have quite a story, Carl, and I've sort of been privy to a lot of it. And we're living in such a crazy time. So many people are walking in a landmine when it comes to church. And so tell us a little bit about your background, your your story, maybe, you know, your experience in the church before you get to the wounded part and, uh, and, and sort of what led to all of that. Yeah, you know, interesting. Church is an interesting place. It's full of very imperfect people. We bump into each other. Uh, we bump into each other. And one of the things that I've learned is that everybody has a cup And when we bump into each other's cup and we bump in real hard to one another, what is inside spills out. This is why it's good to take time cultivating relationships even in the church, because uh, the, the evidence of what a person really is, is really only seen in adversity. That's when we really see what a person is and what makes them tick and whether or not what's inside is going to hurt or help us. So for me, it started way back. I was raised in the church and I was raised with great parents, but I was raised around what I would call, I want to be careful with this, but ah, let's go for it. Angry evangelicalism is a word that I use a lot, Lena. You've heard me say that. And I think I was raised in a culture that was a do's and don'ts culture. It had rules that weren't necessarily even in scripture, but they were in the church. And again, my family and even some close friends, they didn't have that, but pervading in this little church I was raised in was that it took me away from the Lord. It wasn't until I was 24 years old and hit my face uh, that God revealed to me that I need him and I need his imperfect church. And so life goes on and uh, you find a lot of ups and downs and you have a lot of idealisms. And I think when I got saved, Lena, I'm sure this is the case for you, when you get radically altered by Jesus and you come to genuine faith, which is a real difference maker, Mm -hmm. you have hopes 
And I'm sure some of you that are listening, you feel like, oh, I want this from a church and I want that from a church. And you, you feel like you get failed at so many different, so, so many different junctures. And you're wondering, is there hope here? So there will be hope here, but I, I do want to rehearse some of the hurts with you and, and it happened. Well, Go ahead. Well, I mean, it was just it because initially you sort of like you were first in Arkansas, and I, I know a bit of your story. So you had a, sort of a great experience for a while, right? I mean, after you had this radical conversion experience, you were, I mean, just to sum up, like you were doing the whole, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Maybe not all of that, but the drugs and rock and roll part of it, and uh, and sort of had a huge, massive turnaround and plugged into a church and had sort of a, a a great work of God happen in a ministry or in 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 the state of Arkansas, if I recall. No doubt, with a with a large group, what became a large group of single adults and it was awesome it wasn't perfect but it was awesome and one of the things that we had that made it so effective was that there were people that were committed to solid biblical principles especially in Matthew 18 and when I look back at it I kind of underestimated the value of Matthew 18 which is Jesus's discourse on if someone sins against you go to him and if they don't turn around, bring someone else. And then if they don't turn around, then go to the church. Now, my definition of church isn't what happens on weekends. It's, it's in a sphere of influence with people. But the goal is to keep it in relationship-tight compartments. And that's what I saw in that healthy church. Well, and it's funny. I mean, you bring up a couple of interesting points. I mean, one is this distinction that, and 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 we'll get to the kind of more painful parts in a minute. But there is this concept that now people use as, well, I'm a Christian. I'm part of the big C Church of Christ. Why do I have to be part of a little C? But you're sort of hinting at it, which is life happens in the little C. That's where the tensions are felt. Is that not? I mean, tell, you know, explain even from your perspective why is it even relevant for a Christian to be part of a little C if you're all part of a big C since you've come to Christ and are part of the body. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to kind of surprise people. I think it is God's will that we bump into each other. Mm. I think it is. I think it's God's will that we bump into each other. Now, not bump into each other as in being injurious, especially intentionally injurious that there's no way, shape or form that that passes with God. But mm -hmm. the sharpening process and the building each other up and iron sharpening iron, I've never seen iron sharpen iron, and I've seen it plenty, uh, that sparks didn't fly. Yeah. So you're going to have sparks, but if you live without the little C church, if you're not in a congregation, you're ripping yourself off. You don't have people who are speaking into you and loving you in tangible ways, and that's a shame. Well, and that's well said, and I agree. And so it, in principle, that's all good and, and certain stressors. Are, but if, if there's ever a person who's walked a difficult path, I think now we can kind of get to the sticky part of your story. So you were a pastor then in Alaska for several years, and we're doing really well for a while. Oh, it was on fire. Our church in Alaska became one of the fastest growing churches in the nation. We yeah. went from, uh, and this is one of the challenges in a church that is blessed by God. This is interesting, but when when you encounter blessing, if you don't have great spiritual principles in place and healthy structure, the wheels can come off this thing, and it's and it's never a blowout; it's always a slow leak. So we were growing, and I mean, Lena, 
God was doing some stuff. I mean, we had weekends where over five, two different weekends, over 500 people surrendered to Christ. And that's not just hands in the air. That's people waiting to get a new follower packet and get matched up with a life coach. We went from six staff to 70 plus staff in a period of, oh, probably four years. So I was on this nine-year run in Alaska when really out of the blue, um, there were there were some people even on my leadership team that had a genuine problem with me. And mm-hmm. I was confronted upon my return from a sabbatical trip, uh, but there were both good motivations in that group and there were what I would estimate to be really horrendous motivations in that group. And it was borne out by the process that was that unfolded. But yeah. let me say this at the start. When you're confronted with something in a church, it is imperative that we not look to what the others have done wrong. It's imperative that job one, we look at ourselves and go just like David did in Psalm 139, search me, know me, try me, God, see if there be any hurtful way in the church, no, in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And I, I, I praise God that I was given coaching, even in that horrendous, what I call in many senses, it was a coup, not by all of them, but by some of them just wanted me out, uh, that I needed to own what I could own. Uh, it got ugly. It got really ugly. But I, I, the best thing I did in that season, and to this day, is own what you can own. If it's 10%, how hard is it, right, Lena, to own the 10%? Well, I was going to ask, I mean, did you own it right away or did it take a while to get to the place where you could own it? You know, there was a man brought into the process who I now count a dear friend. He's one of the advisors for our church, Lena. His his name is Al Henson, godly, godly man. And he told me something in my first meeting with him as he was mediating this challenge in this church in Alaska. He said, you don't know me. He says, do you trust me? I said, I don't trust you. He said, that's good. Um, You should only entrust yourself to Jesus. This is all I'm asking you to do. If you will meet me at the foot of the cross and be honest with yourself, I'll be fair with you and I'll be honest with God myself. And he's the man that told me, resist pointing fingers. That'll come. There's, There's plenty of blame to go around but own what you can own first. And so I did. It led to a process where I went to uh, all the people that had approached me, every one of them owned what I could own in the presence of an elder and and another witness and uh, gave them an opportunity to own what they could own. That wasn't forthcoming, but that's not for me to force. Well, and so sort of the sad, tragic thing is, I mean, so you hear about all, I mean, you you see a lot of things happen when this blows up. I mean, A, you see clearly Satan is attacking the church. I mean, there's no question. You've got a great work about it, just this huge attack. And, but, but in some ways, I mean, you can hear the story and you were booted, you left. (laughs) This wasn't a context where you repented and everything was fine. And, you know, you had to leave. And so I can't imagine just this like sense of sick disappointment. I mean, you know, walk like I mean, just just shows about hopelessness, and I mean, you've got to have felt the weight of that for a moment. Oh, I felt it. I, are you ready for this? I felt yeah. it for years. 
yeah. years. Uh, let me back up and say what transpired here. There was this, there was this confrontation. There was chaos. There was finger pointing. I went away. There was then a big drop off in a lot of the key indicators of health inside the church. They ultimately asked for forgiveness for the process of my wife and myself and my two uh, high school age, college age kids. Can you imagine that? Um, at all four services, and they asked me to stay on. Oh wow! But the, but the council around me said that that the motivation for that wasn't as pure as it could have been and that I needed to, that the dream was over, the gig was up and wow. God was moving me on. So yeah, it led to years of years. I don't want to, I don't want to church hurt hurts. Okay. Can we agree on that? Yeah. I mean, you submitted yourself to that though, Carl. I mean, you could have been like, you could have told your advisors, man, this is my chance, you know, but you really trusted the Lord in that process in that season. I had to, Lena. And, you know, it was my own, it was my bride, Janan, and you know how much I love her, but she was the one who told me, Carl. And your wife, she was behind that, huh? She felt like it was the right thing to do. We've got to go. We've got to go. And that that then opened up a whole nother can of um, where I had to keep my head down, mouth shut. Rumors flew. They weren't readily quashed. Things were said about me that very few people were going to bat with for me on everything inside of us said stand up and tell the truth you know get on social media but that's destructive if we believe that god is our defender we've got to keep our head down mouth shut and sort through this that's one of the big principles of church hurt i agree and so where so tell me where like how was your time with the Lord in that season? I mean, what did that look like? How did you grapple back to a place of stability? Oh boy, every range of emotion. Uh, I remember coming out of a counseling session with a man in Central Cal who was helping my wife and I sort through the pain. And he said, it's okay to throw rocks at a fence. So we found a fence <laughs> and uh, we threw rocks at a fence. I know that sounds crazy. We did we one of the most healing ceremonies that we did. This is so cool to talk about now, not then. It was good. It was, it's good now. But we actually took a piece of. We went into a, up into a, a river in Yosemite, and we found this rushing river, beautiful, clear rushing river. We found a a a, a stick, a good sized stick, and on it we made clay figurines of of some of the things that represented the people or the place where a lot of pain was attached. And my wife and I had a ceremony where we prayed, committed those things to God. And we, we, we released that these little clay figures on this stick, we released it into the river and we waved goodbye. And we, it wasn't once and for all, but that was a huge ceremonial breakthrough at that moment. Wow. And so, I mean, this was, this is heavy too, because like you had just like lost your job. Like you have no source. I mean, this wasn't just a simple, like my church hurt me. This stinks. I'm going to just do online church for a while. Like this wasn't what you did. Oh, and, oh, and like, how did you feel God's support of you in that time? Or did you not? Was God silent for a while? Well, when you keep your head down and mouth shut, there's a lot of questions. Do you doubt God? Sure. Do you uh, have to hang on to scriptures that you know is going to be delayed gratification? 
Absolutely. Did I hang out in Psalm 112? Yeah, you'll want to look at that on your own. Uh, but th- th- these are these are things that we had to hold on to. Pain, though, you know, I was in Romans uh, 5, 1 through 5 this morning when I was on air here in Chicago. And, you know, hope is a result of pain. Mm-hmm. It's a result of perseverance. It's a result of character. Hope doesn't just get born out of nothing. Uh, that's what Romans 5 says. Hope is, I love what some theologians say, it's the gym at the end of a chain of progression that you have to walk through, and there's no way around it. That's so true. And so and so you you had like God would meet your needs. Like you felt like you still saw some breadcrumbs of grace, so to speak in that season. Yeah. I saw, I saw breadcrumbs of grace and I also saw practical evidence of grace. I mean, uh, boy, we're out on a rooftop. I got a jet flying over here. Isn't that Don't great? Worry. This is, this is a great podcast. Um, I love it. it's, it's, it's real life. Um, I'll tell you the practical grace that God gave me. And I mean, really practical was he gave he gave me the sustenance that we needed. And, on you know, we were asked to stay, but we couldn't. So we had to leave. You're right. We said goodbye to a state, a dream, friends, our home. And it was tough for a season. Uh, I remember having to sell a washer and dryer to be able to have some uh, stuff to get together for a Thanksgiving meal. Um, that was real. But God also then began to provide in just enough fiscal provision and just enough relational provision to get us through. Sometimes it was white knuckled, man. Sometimes it was scary, but he provided. And so you land in Chicago, you get on the radio, you know, clearly God opens some doors, your impact, you know, God sort of gives you a new land of impact and everything's going sort of great. You know, the Chicago market is great so that you're now reaching people on radio, et cetera. But then you have this like crazy idea to start a church again. Like, like you didn't get enough church hurt. Like what motivated, like, how did you have the tenacity, the hope maybe even to say, all right, you know, God, I'm not giving up on your church. How did you make that transition back into saying, I'm going to replant the church. God wants me to proceed with this work. Well, that was a long process, but there was a two week period uh, because I, Look, church hurt hurts so bad that you don't even want to show up at church. Yeah. Straight up. Uh, but you can't, you cannot give up on the whole for the few. You can't. Yeah. And my calling is the church. It always has been. Even though I'm doing radio in the mornings, look, God said, upon this rock, I will build my church. The church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I know you're committed to the church. The church, at the end of the day, it's imperfect, but we got to get back on the horse and ride. We got to get back on the horse and ride. You got to risk again. Yeah. So for us, uh, you know, we had opportunities, but we we thought we had several, we had seven churches call and ask, would you like to come take this thing over, or candidate to take it over, which is an interesting word. Uh, but we felt like, no, let's go into a very unreached area and let's begin to plant. But what comes out of church hurt are lessons. 
And those lessons I want to forever remember in 180 Chicago. And one of those is believe the best until you have empirical evidence to believe otherwise. And back to Matthew 18, keep keep intervention and confrontation in tight spheres of influence. Don't step outside the boundaries of Scripture, especially Matthew 18. There's a way to deal with offenses. And that's that's what I wish more churches were doing rather than airing grievances and dirty laundry across the nation. Well, it's funny you bring up Matthew 18 and I, I you know, I want to sort of a lot of maybe some listeners might not even be too familiar with it, so we can talk about it a bit. But because I found something I've noticed as I've looked through social media threads right now, and Me Too and Church Too, hashtag Church Too and Me Too movements have blown up, and um, and 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 so people are throwing around this Matthew eighteen, and sometimes I think in wrong contexts because you're reading about it on social media, and and the story is always like we tried to do Matthew eighteen and it didn't work, and now we're taking it to the public, and it. That, what is it about that that just doesn't seem right? I mean, how, how does the church deal with conflict when you go, try to go through, quote unquote, Matthew 18, but it doesn't work? Like, what if it doesn't work? What do you do in those settings? I find that too many people are just going on social media and airing their grievances there. And I'm not sure that's God honoring. Well, there's two things about Matthew 18 that are suppositions because you can't avoid the Sermon on the Mount. And I think a lot of people, when we're in church hurt and pain, we forget to pray. We forget to seek the power of the Holy Spirit to, to move and to be brought to bear. I can tell you this, that I've had people that have come back to me in the last few years, some of them in tears asking for forgiveness. Wow. Not all of them. Some of them, it will not happen until eternity will this whole thing get reconciled. Some of them may not even know Jesus personally. You got to remember that. In the church, by the way, are people, Jesus said to his disciples, they said, hey, we got weeds growing up with the weed here. And, you know, you want us to sort them out. And Jesus said, no, 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 don't do that. You'll wind up trying to get out weeds and get out wheat. And some of this social media stuff is prayerless. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to be hard hitting and honest. It's prayerless and it's not trustful. Yeah. And and I think a lot of people say they do Matthew 18, but do they really? Do they? It's, it's, it's a violation of Matthew 18 to kind of caucus 12 people in your small group. Uh, get, getting wise counsel, well within bounds. But going to the person, taking another, and then it could be that you have to withdraw uh, if that person is in a leadership position and they're unwilling to change. You may have to withdraw from that little C with the pain that you're carrying and trust that God is big enough to sort this thing out. We can't be God is the bottom line. That's why social media airing of things is so destructive because it, it's another violation of what Jesus said to do. He said, be careful when someone drags you off to court. Um, you want to try to get things reconciled because your testimony's on the line. That's what social media is. It's a public testimony. Well, and it's funny. You said, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, there's a point where you, if you go through Matthew 18, you approach the person, you take someone with you, you still don't see the, say the leadership, just you don't see it, whatever, eye to eye, which is a fine. I mean, this is a difficult conversation because there's a point where, you know, Christians are told, well, you're supposed to submit to the leadership. But if you, you know, if you feel like you're at odds with the leadership, you have to really sort of pray through, is it 
that you're not being submissive to something that's biblical, or is it that the leadership, you know, is is stepping out of the bounds of what leadership should look like? And so that obviously takes a lot of discernment and prayer. But say you get to the point and you leave, I think this is where things sometimes go awry because now it's like the person who leaves sometimes feels vindicated because of the pain that you're feeling. And you know, I mean, I've personally walked away from a church at one point that there was a terrible you know, pain with that. But I think the temptation is to want to find vindication. And I think what you're aiming at, what you're really hitting at is there's a certain sense of trust in the Lord that just trusts him to vindicate matters. And, and I think the less we say in some ways, the, the more, I mean, I think that's okay. Now, you know, and it's nuanced. And I think this is why these conversations are hard because, you know, who holds a leader accountable? And I, I'm not sure that, that it's my business to answer that. And, and sometimes that might be looked upon as a non-courageous stance because you're not willing to speak up. But I think sometimes faith looks stupid. Faith in the Lord looks stupid. But, you know, it does. Let me let me let me share two things. One thing that the Spirit just hit on my heart. Some people are some people are leaving churches over trivial stuff. Mm. Some hurt that you're carrying isn't hurt worth carrying. There is an element of forbearance. I'm not, I can't measure someone's pain or what they've gone through, but I can do this. There is forbearance. I mean, I am still an imperfect man. Do people at 180 have to forbear with elements of Carl? Of course, we all forbear with each other. Now, when it comes to a point where it's doctrinal or relational, or there's hurt, or somebody's unwilling to deal with a genuine sin, that's when you've got to bear down, trust the Lord, and sometimes you have to walk alone in a desert. It wouldn't be the first time that it's been done. And I'll say this, if you do that well, that's where great men and women are born. Yeah. And there's a certain endurance to that, that, you know, just to persevere in it and not to think that just because you're in the wilderness alone, you're never alone. The Lord is with you. But just because you're walking in that wilderness doesn't mean that, that like, I think the sometimes you can question yourself in the wilderness. And, and I, I think that the more you can look to the Lord and his word and, and I mean, I mean, and, and other people, you, you have been so blessed with Chunan, your wife, who's an immense source of wisdom. What do you tell the person who might be listening and is walking really alone in, 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 in a season of wilderness when it comes to church. You have to find someone who's been there, done that, and owns the t-shirt shop, not just the t-shirt. Which means if you're in Chicago, you got to come to 180 Church Chicago because this is exactly who you're going to run into, people who've walked that path and and really not holding on to bitterness, I don't think. And, and, it's, it's, and, and so speaking of that, I mean, do you feel like, like wounds flare up or is the wound healed right now? Where do you find oh, yourself in that? You know what? Here's what I was just talking with my wife, Janan, about this the other day. Our pain is never going to be fully gone. It won't be. But God uses that. God uses pain. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Pain puts us in a point of spiritual utter dependency and actually bankruptcy. self Self-sufficiency is the enemy of lordship. Self-sufficiency is the enemy of abundant life. So if, if we're not drawn back to the cross, we've got nothing. We're, we're living as functional atheists. Yeah. I know I'm a little passionate about this, but it's because I believe it. 
Well, and I think it's just is such an important conversation, Carl. I, I really think that this is a theme in, in this decade. People have been hurt by the church, and as a result, they're just not going to church, and there's so many ways to justify that. And there's a hypocrisy that has been seen in churches and church structures and institutionalizations and Christian institutions. And But but it doesn't mean, like what you said before, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And Jesus loves the church. His plan is the church. And I don't think you can really grow in, in your walk with the Lord over time without the local church. Well, and, and I mean, here's all you got to do is go to Romans 12. And you've got to see that he gave gifts to the body. If you are not in a local congregation, you're ripping yourself off and you're ripping off the body of Christ. According to my reading of that body metaphor by Paul, we need each other. We need each other. And we've got to be there. And you can't rip yourself off any longer and you can't rip others off. Will there be a season? I'll tell you something really funny. We went through a season where we didn't go to church. Uh, oh, unbelievable for a pastor to say that. We didn't go to church. Uh, we, But we were healing up. And there, there's a season where healing up needs to happen. There were too many triggers. We'd walk into a church, hear a song, and we'd go, oh, I'm out of here. I'm gone. I can't take it. Um, and that's that's very real. But we, we, we had, this is back in the day now, but we, we remember that we just needed to laugh sometimes because we were crying so much. But we would uh, watch America's Funniest Home Videos, and that was like God's therapy to us. I know that sounds crazy. But there's seasons when God's going to minister to our heart in very practical and almost humorous ways. But as soon as we have a modicum of relief, we need to believe what you just said, Lena. This is Jesus's church. It's not ours. He called us to be there. He must have a good reason for it. Yeah. And I mean, it's just amazing. Your kids love the Lord. Like just to walk through this with your family and see a family that is united in faith right now. It's just a testimony of God's grace. I just love your story, Carl, and the hope that you have maintained in this. How do you, uh, and I know we're coming to the end of our conversation, but how do you risk loving again. Like when you want, it, it's easy to say, okay, well, I took a season off, I'm back in church. And I think singles particularly do that, but anybody can do that. And sort of you walk in, but you've got a huge shield around you. So you're there, but you're not really there. How do yep. you fight that? Well, you got to risk again. And I want to make a promise. You're going to get burned again. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and if you think you aren't, you're wrong. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's happened to me. Yeah. I got a call the other day from a guy who said, you know, I, I just, I just, uh, I can't be coming to 180. And I started taking it personal and, oh my goodness. And triggers come up and, and we'll have conversation with our leadership that says, you know, we've got to have straight lines of communication, communication, go to the person first. And when that doesn't happen, triggers come up. You can't let the triggers of the past keep you from what God's called us to be in and to be part of. It, it requires risk. You're going to get burned. Now, what you learn through church hurt are some of these things that we've been talking about now for a half an hour. And that is, we've got to anchor ourselves on the trusting God, prayer, communion. Um, I had one guy gave me some great wise counsel. He said, listen, uh, 
Carl, do not, do not at all put yourself in a position where you are entrusting yourself to people. You, you entrust yourself to God and circles of trust grow with people. A lot of times people get burned because they hastily share their dirty laundry with people before there's been trust built. That needs to be a slower process. Yeah. What um, resources were really helpful to you here? Like practical books, um, a couple of, you mentioned Psalm 112. I mean, any couple of things that might help someone who might be walking this path right now of hurt. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting, but I'm going to give you an answer that I hope doesn't sound simplistic, but it's really the best thing. I immersed myself in the word of God. I went to the Psalms and I hung out. I would read Psalm 112 and I would read, I would read vast portions of the New Testament and I would see that there was pain in church 2,000 years ago and God's the God of that. Yeah. And it's okay. Intimacy with God, the Father. Through the Son, Jesus, raising the sails of your soul to the Holy Spirit is not old-fashioned. It's essential. That's awesome. And I know uh, your wife talks about streams in the desert, one of my favorite devotions. Oh, yeah. So good, yeah. too, right? Oh, yeah. From a practical standpoint, we've got uh, we got a copy of Janine's Streams in the Desert. This thing's been read, wept on, uh, thrown against a wall, and otherwise trashed and it's it's a it's a testimony to God's faithfulness sometimes reading or talking with people that have gone through this before us wow that's the way to go so as we come really towards an end now how can people reach you if if they um tell us a little bit about how ways to connect with you uh connecting uh you can follow me on facebook it's tough to connect there if you want to connect, um, if you're in Chicago, one of the coolest ways would be to come visit 180 Chicago. That's easily found, 180chicago.church. And uh, if you are, uh, I take texts um, that I try to respond to at our number for morning radio on their five mornings a week. It's 312-274-9624. So there's, there's ways to get in touch. Um and more than anything, Godspeed to you. If you're going through hurt and pain, take what we've discussed today. There's some tangible stuff here that you can do today. Amen. Man, there's hope in the Lord. And I, um, I, I really do. I think this conversation is so, so critical. I pray that if you're listening and you're walking through uh, this experience of pain, don't give up. Don't stop falling hard after the Lord be in the word. And if um, you'd like to connect with us, with my ministry, livingwithpower.org, you can email email me at lina, L-I-N-A, at livingwithpower.org. Know that you are loved. We pray for you. We love you. And I look forward to hearing from you. So have an awesome day and we'll catch you guys next time.